Home and Garden Radio Podcast number seven. The Home and Garden Radio Podcast is the recorded version of our show that airs every Saturday on the BizTalk Radio Network. Do not turn that radio dial. Stop it. Stop it. It's time for the Home and Garden Show. Your host, Michael Kroos. There's guaranteed laughs. Zaniness. Zany- is that even a word? Who cares? Anyway, fun in the sun. And of course, discussions and vital information on all things botanical. That means plants. And if you have insects getting into your things and on your nerves, they're toast. Yeah! Michael will get your heads, your flowers, your grass in tip-top shape. You're all worthless and weak. Now drop and give me 20. You listen for your pleasure, no? So, got, got your, your swim, swim trunks, trunks on? on? Good. Let's jump right in. The call-in number from coast to coast across the nation. Um, I could tell you, but Michael Cruz will tell you it's part of his job. Now, without further ado, that smooth, suave, debonair, home and garden kind of guy, Michael Cruz. And welcome to this edition of Home and Garden Radio. Yeah, I am who he said I was. My former producer produced that, Andrew McGee. Great guy. He's working for a newspaper now, wishing he was back working for me. Every day when he goes to work to toil on a newspaper, by the way, newspapers are like totally yesterday's news anyway. Who reads one? I don't read one. But anyway, every day when he goes and sits in front of the Smith Corona typewriter at the newspaper that he works for and tries to pound out the news, He remembers the good days, the wonderful days, the days that he sat on the other side of the double bulletproof glass, the day that he produced, the days that he produced the nation's best gardening show. Yes, poor guy. You know, after he left my show, bad things started happening to him. People started making fun of him. His wife left him. His dog stopped paying attention to him. And now... He sits behind the Smith Corona at a weekly newspaper somewhere in North Florida, pounding out the news. And what kind of news is there in North Florida? I mean, let's think about it. The town that they're in is about the size of my living room. So what do they say? Oh, Baker over at the gas station this week uh, got some brand new spiffy pumps that you can actually put your credit cards into. I mean, that's what he's doing. Instead of sitting on the other side of the double bulletproof glass producing radio magic absolute radio magic the guy was very talented you know he was very very talented oh well the days are gone and now we move on okay you guys want to report on on my weight loss okay and if you don't want to report on my weight loss tough you're getting it anyway because that's who i am that's what i've got to do a couple weeks ago i started taking this stuff called Plexus Slim. I bought a seven-day challenge for $29.95. Notice I say I bought. I did not let these people spiff me this, although it was offered to me. I said, no, I'm going to buy it. It was a like a little drink. It came in a little packet, and you poured it into your bottle of water, and you shook it up real, real good. Actually, in order to be successful with it, you had to dump half of the water out, okay? And then after you dumped half the water out, let me take a drink of water right now. Mm. 
good stuff. After you dumped half the water out, then you stuck this in there and you shook it real, 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 real good. And after you did that, uh, you know, after it was all shook, then you drank it. And while you drank it, you took a capsule that came with it and you swallowed the capsule. And that's all you had to do. And they didn't tell you to adjust your diet. They didn't tell you to do anything. Just do that. Okay, now the good news is, well, that, that it's easy. That's the good news. The bad news is, is that it's 120 bucks a month if you decide to stick with it. The real good news is, is that I almost in seven days, and I really didn't adjust my diet. I did find myself, here's what I found. I was jittery for the first three days, and then I stopped being jittery. But here's what I found. I had lost my desire for caffeine. I was drinking a lot less diet soda. I, and I have pretty much stopped drinking a lot of diet soda anyway. I just drink it in the morning because it was my source of caffeine. I'm drinking a lot. I was drinking a lot more water. And I really wasn't hungry during the day. I, I really wasn't. Okay. So that was the good news. And after seven days, I lost darn close to four pounds. I was impressed. The only thing I wasn't impressed with was the price, 120 bucks a month, unless you wanted to become a distributor, which I don't. And um, if you want to be a distributor, then it's $99 a month. But you got to sign up for auto ships. That means every month they're going to ding you for 99 bucks plus postage handling and profit. So, you know, whatever that comes to. Because, by the way, they charge me this thing for $29.95, and it's, it's dinky. It fits into an envelope was $29.95 plus $5 shipping. So, you know, I bet you that the shipping covered the cost of the product and shipping it to me. And the $29.95 went off to pay commissions. But anyway, that was that. So then, after reading an article, reading an ad in a local newspaper, and I was just sitting here saying I don't read newspapers, and I don't, but last week I picked one up off my yard and I had some time, so I said, I'm just going to look it over. I found this stuff that I'm holding in my hands. Whoops, I just hit the microphone with it. I found this stuff that I'm holding in my hands right now. And it's called Thin Energy, and it's a drink. And if you go to the website, homeandgardenradio.com, you'll see my, a picture of my hand holding the bottle. And the bottle has a little, like a shot glass attached to it. And what you do is you shake this stuff up real good in the morning, and you squeeze it into the shot glass. It just kind of goes into the shot glass. And then you chug it, okay? Well, I started that exactly a week ago. And you take that once a day. Now, I compared the ingredients, and it had a lot of the same ingredients, but not all of the same ingredients. And, you know, I said, I'll try it. And by the way, uh, at Walgreens, I found the stuff at the Walgreens up by my house. It's, and it's not at every Walgreens. I have to say that. Go on their website, Thin Energy. Yeah, there, there's a link to it on my website because there's a hyphen. And just, just go to my website. You'll find a, a link to it, homeandgardenradio.com. Uh, and you can go on their website, and they'll tell you where to go get it. But I went and got it, and it, the regular price there was $24.95 for a month's supply, but it was on sale for $19.95. So I bought it up, and I brought it home. And last week on the air, I took it for the very first time. It didn't taste terrible, Okay. Uh, the Plexus Slim didn't taste terrible. Neither of these things taste good, but they don't taste terrible. Okay, so eh, so I took this. And now I must report on my weight loss for the week. I didn't lose any weight. I stayed right where I'm at by taking this. 
Now, the other thing I will notice, and I, and I have to tell you, taking this, I didn't drink as much water as I drank before. I just, you know, but with the other stuff, for whatever strange, bizarre reason, I felt the need to drink a lot of water. And with this, I didn't. And uh, with the other stuff, I wasn't hungry during the day. And with this stuff, I kind of was. So I don't know. I'm not ready to give up. I'm going to give it another week. You know, I got a whole month's supply. I'm I'm going to stay with it. And I'm going to concentrate. Because, you know, I I lost a lot of weight when I had all my surgeries. And now I'm gaining some of it back. And I don't want that to happen. I want it to turn around and go the other way. So I want you to feel free to fat shame me. And you can fat shame me. Just go to the website and email me and make fun of me. So fat shame me so that I feel bad about myself to the point to where I would feel determined to keep the weight off. And I'm going to try this stuff a little more. And by the way, if you've got another suggestion, hopefully not a multi-level marketing suggestion because multi-level marketing products are just too damn expensive. But if you've got another suggestion of something, I'll be happy to try it because, you know, what the heck? What have I got to do? You know, what do I have to do? I don't have anything to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm bored. My life is totally boring right now because I can't do a lot of stuff I used to be able to do, although I can do more than I was. Does any of this make sense? So enough of that. Let us move on. Uh, years ago, in 1972, I got into this industry, September of 1972. And I got into this industry working for a guy by the name of Jack Hitch. And Jack Hitch had a lawn spraying business. But back in 1972, they didn't call it lawn spraying in West Central Florida, where I live. It was just kind of bizarre. They called it something else. They called it, and let me see if I can can do this. They called it power spraying. And Jack was just, and he still is, the coolest guy in the world. I got the job because they had an ad in the paper saying that they paid $1.90 an hour. And you see, I needed to earn some money because I wanted to go to California. I wanted to move to California. I, in 1972, I was, you know, 21 years old. 20 years, yeah, 21 years old. I wanted to move to California. 20 years old. I was 20 years old in 1972. I wanted to move to California and I wanted to be the rhythm guitar player for the Beach Boys. I really, really, really did. So I needed to, a job to get me enough money to buy the bus ticket and buy me a rhythm guitar. Tell you what, I'll tell you more about that story when we come back because we're going to talk about the evolution of all that and the evolution of me. We will continue. gardening question well this is the home and garden show now back to michael and back to michael we continue right here on home and garden radio as i was saying i was talking about when i went to work for jack hitch in 1972 spraying lawns in those days it wasn't called lawn spraying it was called power spraying And, I mean, that was just the marketing thing at the time. The key was getting the insecticide down through the thatch of the grass and getting the fertilizer down through the thatch of the grass with a power sprayer. And, you know, I remember 
that uh, the trucks had a little guy with a little spray thing and it was shooting stuff down and clouds coming up. If you had something like that on today, everybody would go nuts. But that's what it was back then. And, you know, that was the big thing. Let's all enjoy life. Well, today, you know, as I am recording this today. Oh, by the way, remind me, are you guys, are you guys, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Remind me to talk about the nurse's ball on General Hospital. Just remind me. Why? I don't know. But anyway, I'm driving today. We're recording this on a Thursday. And I'm driving today in St. Petersburg. And I see now when I went to work for Jack with his power spraying business, the trucks he had, now I went in, in September of 1972, the trucks that he had were all 1960s trucks. They were like 1966 Fords and Chevys and, that he bought brand new in 66, and we were still driving them. And it said power spraying on it. And so today I'm driving in St. Petersburg, and what do I see? What, what do I see but this truck driving next to me, and it was a 1960s truck, and it said, Quickway Incorporated Power Spraying. And it was this 1966 truck. And I've stuck a picture of it. I'm sticking a picture of it on the website. You can look at it when you hear this. Go to the website, homeandgardenradio.com. And, I mean, talk about Throwback Thursday. That was Throwback Thursday. It was a really cool spray rig, uh, you know, as far as spray rigs go. Now, I talked to a friend of mine, Ralph Olmitz, about this company. I had never heard of this company, and I've lived here my whole life, or most of it. And uh, he says, oh, he said they used to have a plywood fiberglass tank on the back of it. Well, you can see in the picture, they've got a poly tank on the back of it now that looks really nice. It looks like it's about 1,000 gallons. And behind that, they've got an old Myers pump and some great big old motor. You can't see that in the picture. But it looked like a really cool spray rig. I, I was impressed, but it brought back memories. Uh, here's this company, and, and my friend Ralph had heard about this company. He says, oh, they got, had a great reputation down in St. Petersburg years ago. He said, I didn't even know they were still in business. But there they were, you know, power spraying. It was, it was just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Which brings me to what I want to talk about uh, in the rest of the show. Because the email that I'm getting this week... Oh, by the way, does anyone watch General Hospital? Are you watching the Nurses Ball? I mean, it's it's crazy every year this time. It's the Nurses Ball. But uh, I digress. Let's get back to this. All of my email this week was on pesticides. And do I like natural pesticides more than I like chemical pesticides. And if I like chemical pesticides, why? Well, you know, I think that insects in horticulture are generally not a problem. Insects in horticulture or agriculture are the result of a problem. And I, I learned this a long time ago from an old farmer by the name of Garth Craig, who taught me, I mean, way back in, in the 70s, he taught me, he said, Michael, that's what he used to talk. He said, Michael, bugs aren't a problem. Bugs are the result of a problem. And, and he was so right because in agriculture, and he was an old farmer, he said, if your crops were grown in good soil, good, healthy soil, and you took care of the crops and they were, you know, they had the proper nutrition, the proper amount of water, 
the, the crops could not be affected by insects because they were too healthy. Insects normally get into plants that are weak. And when they get into plants, they go to the weakest part of the plant to get in, such as scale and, and things like this. If, if the leaves are weak on the plant, the scale can take their mouth parts, which are called piercing, sucking mouth parts, and they can get right into the plant and suck the sap out of it. But if that plant is healthy and it's, you know, it has what we call good sap pressure and good thick skin because it's a healthy plant, because it has the proper amounts of potassium, which we've talked about in the past, and all of the proper nutrients, the insects... I'm going to tell you something. Insects go to the, pea, to, to, the, to the place of least resistance. So they're not going to bother your plants if your plants are healthy. They're going to bother your neighbor's plants because their plants are not healthy. So right away, I'm not a big one for using insecticide unless it becomes absolutely necessary. When does it become absolutely necessary? When things that we do not control harm a plant, such as drought, such as, you know, nutrient deficiencies, such as, you know, just stuff happens. And once in a while, we get insects in the plant. Now, do I believe in just going out and spraying insecticide? When I first got into this world, that's what people did. They went out and sprayed preventative pesticides all over their lawns, all over their shrubs, all over their trees. And that's what they did. And I no longer believe in that. I, I haven't believed in that in years. I, I'm a big, you know, person. If there's a problem with insects, take care of the problem. You know, do what you got to do to take care of the problem and go on from there. That's been my big thing is, is to do that. And that generally works out. And I'm also, you know, not a big one for, say, a lawn, for instance. Rarely does it need an insecticide across the whole yard. Uh, what is a, an insect that bothers yards? Well, uh, chinch bugs are an insect that bothers yards. They usually are not in shady areas. They are usually only out in full sun near concrete. That's the area that you need to concentrate on treating is that area. You go in there and you kill out the bugs and then you're done. Now, do you use a natural pesticide or a chemical pesticide? I don't care. Okay, I really don't care. Whatever works. And I will tell you that today, both, both things work. Okay, uh, you know, both things work. They work, uh, you know, and they work quite well. The natural pesticides, there are some wonderful natural insecticides out there. Uh, one that I really like that works well on a lot of pests, and it's extremely effective, uh, but it's hard to find. I think you can probably find it on eBay and maybe a, a good farm shop, would be a, a product called Ecentria. I love that product. I absolutely love that product. Tell you what, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we continue right here on Home and Garden Radio. You can contact Michael at homeandgardenradio.com. That's homeandgardenradio.com.
back now to the Home and Garden Show with Michael Gross. Once again, here's Michael. And once again, here's Michael. That's what he just said. I thought so. I don't know. But anyway, I was talking about natural pesticides compared to chemical pesticides. And um, let me turn the music down a little bit. Man. Uh, But anyway, I like natural pesticides, but I also don't mind chemical pesticides. And let me tell you why. Had this been 15 years ago, it might have been a different story. But today, pesticides, uh, chemical or non-chemical, are, in my humble opinion, my humble, you know, me with 42 years of experience or so, uh, will tell you that the insecticides that are on the market today are safe. If they are used in accordance with label directions, they are very, very, very safe. So, you know, I really, and you know, there's all kinds of arguments and somebody's going to write to me and say, what about Roundup? And, you know, all of this stuff. And the truth of the matter is, and, and let's talk about Roundup for a minute, shall we? The active ingredient in a Roundup is a product called glyphosate. And all of the people, and I've had them on this show before, complain about Roundup. And they're, they're saying that Monsanto is this evil company and all of this good type of stuff. And Roundup is killing us. Well, there is absolutely no evidence that Roundup is doing anything harmful to us. I have not seen any credible evidence that Roundup is bad. As a matter of fact, in my humble opinion, Roundup is good. I like Roundup. Uh, Everett Farnell, who's been on this show, told me he fired the lawn maintenance guy that he had because he saw him out there spraying Roundup. Well, yeah, the guy was spraying Roundup on the weeds in his bed to keep the weeds out of his bed. Let me Roundup, the active ingredient in Roundup is something called glyphosate. Now, Monsanto spent about, if memory serves me correctly, about 80 or 90 million dollars getting glyphosate to pass EPA regulations. And EPA regulations, uh, you know, standards are extremely hard to pass. If you come out with a pesticide today, or, or when Roundup came out, if you came out with a pesticide, you had to prove, you know, to uh, the Environmental Protection Agency a lot of stuff. Uh, toxicity, toxicity to water, toxicity to uh, animals, toxicity to all kind to people, all kinds of things. And Roundup passed all of that with flying colors. Uh, when the glyphosate touches the green part of the plant, I mean, this is how Roundup works. What it does is it actually enters the plant through the green part of the plant and it travels through the circulation system of the plant and it kills the plant basically by kind of super fertilizing it, I think would be a simple way of describing what it does. And, uh, but it kills the plants right through the roots. This is why Roundup is so wonderful. Before there was a Roundup, they used to spray these things with top kills that would just kill the, the plants that are, you know, right there, but it wouldn't kill the roots. And then they would grow right back. And the other nice thing about Roundup is that it neutralizes on soil contact. So if you're spraying trees in a flower or trees, if you're spraying weeds in a flower bed 
or in a shrub bed, as long as you don't hit the shrubs and you just hit the weeds and the soil around it, well, the stuff that hit the soil is going to do nothing. It neutralizes. It's all done. It's over with. It, it's, you know, it, it's just totally done. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. But that green plant that you have sprayed, it's going to go down through the circulation system of the plant and kill it off. And that is good. And then that plant, the, the weed that you've sprayed, is actually going to biodegrade into the soil and help enhance the soil. So in my mind, Roundup is good stuff. By the way, you can spray the woody part of a plant and it will not affect the plant at all. Uh, for instance, a, around a tree, if you've got a lot of grass growing up on a tree and you don't want to take a weed eater in there, I understand that. Spray Roundup around the tree, around the base of the tree, and you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine, as a matter of fact. Nothing will happen. Uh, the tree will not be affected, and the grass around the tree will die. So why has Monsanto got such a bad reputation? Well, everybody's got opinions. Here's mine, and I will agree with this one. Roundup, like I say, is a wonderful product, and in my mind, it's really non-toxic. But agriculture loves to use Roundup, but they couldn't use it in cornfields. You know why? Because corn is green. The corn stalks are green. So you use Roundup out there in agriculture to keep the weeds out and, uh, you know, the, the corn dies. Now, I know that in, in groves, uh, apple orchards and, and orange groves and, and you know things like that. They've sprayed it underneath the tree for years and loved it because you really don't want anything growing underneath those trees. So it's worked fine, hasn't bothered anybody. But in the area of where we're talking about, such as corn or soybeans that are all green, you couldn't use the Roundup around it. So what Monsanto has done, because they want to sell more Roundup, obviously, is they have genetically modified corn and I believe soybeans so that it is what we call glyphosate resistant. In other words, so that the Roundup won't kill the corn or it won't kill the soybeans. It'll just kill all the weeds all the way around them. And they couldn't fix the Roundup to where it wouldn't kill the corn. So they had to fix the corn so the Roundup couldn't kill it. And in doing so, they genetically modified it. And in the minds of many people, nutritionists especially, this is real bad. Genetically modified foods, bad. Why? Because all of the natural nutrients, including the minerals and all of those things that naturally occur in plants, are now, the, are, are now just totally screwed up. All right? And it's not the natural plant. It is a plant that has been... Mutated. It is a plant that has been manipulated. So is this healthy to eat? That's the question. Is this healthy to eat? A lot of people say no. And a lot of crazy people, and believe me, there's a lot of crazy people out there, are saying, hell no. And it's, it, it's causing, you know, there's people out there, I have had people try to get on the, this radio show who say, it causes autism. Prove it. Well, they can't, so they don't get on the show. But I mean, you know, you go on YouTube and you just type in, you know, genetically modified foods and then Monsanto, and you're going to see all kinds. I have no idea 
why Monsanto isn't just coming out and suing these people. You know, I mean, if you want to, you know, I am a, I love Roundup, okay? But I do not like the idea of genetically modified corn or genetically modified soybeans for the sole purpose of making it Roundup proof so that the Roundup doesn't kill it, but it kills the weeds. I don't think that's a good idea myself, okay? But the farmers seem to think it's a good idea because they're doing it. And Monsanto's making a ton of money. I don't know. You know what? I don't know if Monsanto is making a ton of money uh, by selling this, the, the corn seeds or the, the seeds, the genetically modified seeds. I think they're probably making a little money on it. But again, they want a lot of this Roundup being used. So they're doing that. And then the crazy people are coming out against that. And I understand why the crazy people are coming out against that. And I also, you know, but the crazy people are then saying that is not only the genetically modified foods bad, but the Roundup itself, the active ingredient in the Roundup, the glyphosate, is adversely affecting the soil and it's causing, you know, every kind of disease and mal. Well, there is absolutely no proof to that. Absolutely no proof to that. But again, I think that there should not be genetically modified foods. And they're everywhere. As a matter of fact, it's hard to go grocery shopping and not get them. And by the way, the same crazy people who are saying there shouldn't be genetically modified foods, who I agree with, okay, a bunch of those people, and now we're going to talk about marijuana again. And I really don't want to talk about marijuana. But a lot of those people smoke marijuana. And the marijuana that they're smoking now, the stuff that's out on the market now, is all genetically modified so that it gets you high real fast. It's got elevated levels of THC, and it got that way because of genetic modification. But you don't hear these people talking about that. Okay, well, I guess it's okay because I get high. But, you know, I agree with them on the corn and the soybeans. And gosh, you know, I don't think they should genetically modify marijuana either. But they don't say that because they like the marijuana that's genetically modified because it makes them high and it makes them feel good. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And we continue right here on Home and Garden Radio. Enough about Monsanto. Enough about Roundup. Uh, the other question, you know, in the continuing question ends that I get in the emails constantly, and people hit me up on Facebook constantly, uh, is, uh, you know, aren't natural pesticides better than chemical pesticides? And, you know, I guess conceivably, maybe, but I, like I said before, I don't think so. But there are some natural pesticides, such as the Essentria, that I love. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of agriculture professionals and a lot of horticulture professionals and a lot of pest control professionals are using this product, which is made out of essential oils, by the way, and it's a 
a, a scientific blending of different essential oils. And I got to tell you, the people who make this have it right. Uh, it works. It works wonderfully. And you can use it on plants. You can use it on, you know, it, you can use it in a garage. You can use it on the side of the house. It's just a really cool, you know, really cool product. So I, I like that one. But there are uh, other pesticides that I like as well that, uh, you know, that are chemical-based, that work, that have very little effect on the environment. Very, very, very little effect on the environment. And by the way, there is some totally organic pesticides that I will not use because they're too toxic. One example would be nicotine sulfate. You know, nicotine sulfate is extremely toxic. Uh, you know, the, it has a danger label on it. And, and pesticides usually have three signal words, the first being danger. And, and that means if you pour some of the pure stuff out of the bottle on your skin, chances of you getting sick or croaking are pretty good. Okay. And then the next one after that is called warning. Warning, Will Robinson. That, that's the next one after that. And again, pretty toxic stuff. And then the least toxic is called, well, what used to be the least toxic is called the caution signal word. And, you know, most pesticides that I use, chemical and natural, have the caution label on them. As a matter of fact, I think just about all of them do. And um, you're, you're in good shape there. Now, there is a newer class of pesticide, which the Essentria uh, would be part of that classification, and that is what the Environmental Pestis or Environmental Protection Agency now refers to as <clears throat> generally regarded as safe. And those would be your essential oils. Those would be your diatomaceous earth. I'm a big one. You, if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know what a big advocate I have been for the past 26 years about diatomaceous earth. And if you don't know, go to the website, homeandgardenradio.com. And up on the top, you'll see a tab where it says something about diatomaceous earth. Click that. That's an article that I wrote 20-some years ago that before there was an internet, we printed that up. And it was four, eight and a half by 11 pages or thereabouts. And we sent out close to 50,000 of those things to anybody who would send us a self-addressed stamped envelope. And people sent us self-addressed stamped envelopes for years. And I just sent that thing out. We didn't try and sell anything. We just sent it out. And now I don't have to send it out. It's on the website. I just stuck it on the website. So go to homeandgardenradio.com and, uh, you know, uh, you know, go to homeandgardenradio.com and uh, you will, uh, you will find it. It's, it's right there. Just look up on the top and, I'm a big advocate, but again, in talking about the uh, diatomaceous earth, I want you to be careful how you use it. Because if you just blanket a shrub bed with diatomaceous earth, you're going to kill everything, including beneficials. And I don't want to do that. I want to target it to where I need it. Say there's an anthill. And I have done this in uh, preschools where out in the sandbox, they have had uh, they have had uh, anthills. And uh, you don't want to use any chemical pesticide out there. 
So I go out there with a stick and I stir up the ant uh, hill and I'll just pour a cup of diatomaceous earth over the top of it and spread it around. And the ants go through it, you know how they go wild when you, you know, mess up one of their mounds and it cuts out their waxy coating and they carry it down into the nest and it infects the other ones and it cuts out their waxy coating. Well, afterwards, the kids can go out there and roll around on it, but we're not saturating, you know, entire areas with it. We are targeting it. I would no more put diatomaceous earth over a whole shrub, shrub bed because you've got a lot of beneficials out there that are going to control other pests. So you really want to target, even if it's a natural product like DE, you want to target. Same if you're using a chemical product. I don't think we need to get shook up about what we're using as we need to be more exact in how we're using it would be the, the thing about that. I like to use natural pesticides such as the DE along lakes or waterways because I don't have to worry about runoff getting into the water. If DE gets into the water, it's, it's no problem. You know, not to worry. Everything's good. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Eccentria, if I'm going to spray uh, an oleander that's next to a lake, I'm not worried about it too terribly much. Those essential oils are not going to adversely affect the fish if it rains and it washes down into the, in, into the lake or the stream. But I would probably be more cautious about using a chemical pesticide next to a waterway. So just be responsible and do what you need to do and target your pest. And if you target your pest, that's the most important thing I think I'm going to tell you is to target your pest. And if you do that, you're going to be just fine. Everything will work out wonderful if you do that. Hey, that is about, just about, going to wrap things up for this edition of Home and Garden Radio. Uh, by the way, we are now podcasting these shows and they're available on our site, homeandgardenradio.com, as well as on iTunes. And starting next week for all of my Android users, like me, I'm an Android user, they'll be on Stitcher, uh, Stitcher Radio for Android. So not only can you, you know, listen to it uh, live on the radio, you can listen to it not so live on the internet and definitely not so live on your smartphone or your iPod or your iPad, or your, you know, anything you got. We're out there. We're everywhere. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.